Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is still a privilege to come into your household as promised. I'll be delivering this weekly sermons, and I hope that they are quite a blessing to you and your families. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be despondent. Be stronger. We're going to come out of this season more focused, more grounded, more blessed, and more experienced and especially more refined. So don't be shaken in any way. Now, today I just want to share a thought with you, and that thought is Elohim materializing himself. Elohim materializing himself. Now, for the scripture reading, we're going to go to the book of John, St. John, the first chapter from the verse verse. It reads in this manner, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. Now I'm going to jump to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of only the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I said I want to speak on a subject, Elohim, materializing himself the moment you speak about elohim materializing himself the competent students of the message know that we will speak about the godhead because this is in the arena of the godhead now brother brenham when he came he said to us he was not a oneness the moment you say brother brenham said he wasn't oneness the tunis people get excited and say that means whoever is saying this is going to be in our camp and i just going to disappoint them brother Branham said i'm not tunis i uh, will not even get to trinitarians because brother Branham's told us straight to our faces trinities of the devil when he said i'm not a one as he said i'm not one like a finger that means God could be in me, God could be in my brother, God could be in my sister. So you cannot reduce God to one like a finger. He could be God on earth, he could be God in heaven at the same time because he's omnipresent. Now, when it comes to Trinity, because a lot of us became a victim of this doctrine before the message of the hour came our way. A lot of times... When I meet the Trinitarians, because I know that there are certain questions when you pose to them, those questions expose contradictions in their doctrine. 
The first question that I normally would ask them is, did, did Jesus Christ have two fathers? Because when you read 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says the father is the father of the son. And yet the child born of Mary was conceived by the Holy Ghost according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. And again, Luke 1, verse 35. Then the question would be, which one is the true father of Jesus? If you, if you make God the Father and God the Spirit to be two entities, then who was the father of Jesus? The, question, the second question that I normally ask them is, if the Father and the Son are co-equal in the Godhead, why did Jesus pray to the Father? How can God pray to God? As he did in Matthew 11 verse 25. The third one that I normally ask, he would say, how can the Son not know as much as the Father knoweth? Because a lot of time, Jesus would not act and would say, I'm waiting upon the Father. And how can the Son not have any power except what the Father gives him if they are co-equal in the Godhead? Another question that I normally pose would be, if Son and Holy Ghost are co-equal persons in the Godhead, why is it a blasphemy to blaspheme the Holy Ghost? And it is unforgivable, but the blasphemy against the Son is not unforgivable. Another one I would ask that if you believe in God hate, the question would be, who is in your heart? Is it God the Father, God the Spirit, or God the Son? It just tells you that this don't make sense. But I'm glad that the message of the hour provided clarity. And the prophet in the message, the Patmos vision, paragraph 132, this is my favorite quotation. He says, the greatest of all revelations is the deity, the supreme deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. If somebody says the greatest, that means he would regard other things as minor compared to what he deems to be the greatest. Now, we may have different revelations, but the prophecy, the greatest of all revelations is the deity. To me, this is the master key because you would never receive the true baptism of the Holy Ghost unless you possess this master key. And the master key is the revelation of the deity of Jesus Christ. Brother Brenham says, either, either Jesus was God in flesh or was the greatest imposter that the world had ever seen. But we know he was not an imposter and we'll get into the meaty stuff. Now, what I like about this message, this message can, can look into the future. This message can provide clarity on the future. This message can provide clarity now. And this message can provide clarity in terms of what happened even before Genesis. This quotation, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Don't forget my thought. I'm speaking on Elohim materializing himself. But before the materialization, let us get back to how Elohim was in his original state. He says in paragraph 102, Now God's secret mystery, he had before the world began. 
now back in the back part of God's mind. There was something that he was trying and was going to achieve. He had a motive in doing it in order to let himself be expressed. Because first, there wasn't even a moon, star, atom, molecule, or anything. He was God. But he exactly wasn't God at that time because God is an object of worship and there, was nothing, there wasn't nothing to worship him. So in his great mind, he wanted these attributes to be expressed. And in him was love. In him was to be father. In him was to be son. In him was to be a savior. In him was to be a healer. And all these great attributes that we see already expressed, they were in God. This is beautiful. As the prophet is inviting you to the back part of the mind of God, then he uses what I would call a spiritual x-ray to examine the motive, the ambition of this God. And the prophet comes and says he wanted to express himself. That means in that unexpressed form, the prophet says in him were attributes. One to be a father, to be a son, to be a savior. Now, this is where the problem comes. Because if you know him as the father, but you have never known him as Elohim before you occupied the office of the Father or before you occupied the office of the Holy Ghost or before you occupied the office of the Son, you're going to get confused and you're going to chop God in too many pieces and by the time you are done, you are not going to be sure which real God you are worshipping. That is why without the true revelation of Godhead, you can never be trusted that you really know the God that you are worshipping. And that is why this message, the reason it is so precious to us is because it brought clarity in terms of what is happening in that space. Now, there is something in the titles of Brother Brenham's sermons, especially this one, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. This fascinates me because I've always, in my mind, I've always asked myself, is there a distinction between Christ and Jesus? The reason being, why wasn't the prophet calling this message, Jesus is the mystery of God? Why is saying Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Now, when I came to read in this book, the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 24th until the 26th verse, Paul says, by faith Moses, the moment he says by faith Moses, that means he, the scenery is Egypt. He says by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ 
greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. My question would be, why did Paul not say Moses esteemed the reproach of Jesus? Why is he, he esteemed the reproach of Christ? And I've come, I'm coming back to my question. Is there a distinction between Jesus and Christ? Yes, there certainly is. And we're going to bring messagical answers to provide clarity on that space. The prophet in the message adoption, because the moment he esteemed the reproach of Christ to be greater in Egypt, it tells you that Christ was there in Egypt. But yet Jesus was not born. The prophet said Christ is the mystery of God revealed. He doesn't say Jesus. Now we want to check where do we place Jesus? Where do we place Christ? Where would we place the Father? Where would we place the Spirit? Where would we place the Son? So that as we play around with these pieces of the puzzle, ultimately it comes and becomes one picture so that the believer must not get confused because there is a lot of confusion when it comes to the subject of the Godhead. But I thank God because for every message question, there must be a message answer. Now, the prophet in the message, the adoption, paragraph 5-0, he says, Jesus had a father. Jesus had a mother. Jesus had a beginning of days. Jesus had an ending of earthly life. Why is the prophet not saying Christ had a father, Christ had a mother, Christ had a beginning of days, Christ had an ending of earthly life? Why is saying Jesus? We'll understand as we move into the second quotation in the message God's gifts always find their places. The prophet in this message, paragraph 93, he says, now notice, after then the wise men identifying him what he would be, we find, that, we find through the scripture that's exactly what he was. Deity in service for death. What for? Deity in service to God for death. Jesus was deity in service for death to redeem the world. But what did the world do to it? They refused it. They rejected it. Why? Some of them, a big part of them, did that because this. He, because he did die. They said he couldn't be deity and die. The man, the body, was not deity. But deity was in the body. This body has to perish. The very Christ that's in you is the only thing that can raise you up. That's deity, God in you. Now, the prophet is bringing a contrast here. He says the man, the body, Jesus, had a father, had a mother, had a beginning of days, had an ending of days, but the deity that was in the body, did not have the father, did not have the mother, did not have the beginning of days, did not have the ending of days. This is the Melchizedek part in Jesus. Now, let's put it this way. This is getting very interesting. The body was born, but the deity cannot be born. 
The body died, but the deity cannot die. And this is very interesting because Jesus never asked his disciples who he was. He never said, who do men say I am before Jordan? He says that after Jordan, after the spirit descended in a form of a dove and came unto him. And that's when John said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Then later Jesus says to the disciples, who do men say I, the son of man, am? Then Peter says, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. He doesn't say thou art Jesus. Him being Jesus was not disputed. Because it was the earthly part. Knowing him as Jesus, he never required the revelation. It was the name that he was given. It was an earthly name. But to know him as Christ, it needed the revelation. That is why the prophet comes and says, the greatest revelations among the revelations is the deity, the supreme deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's carry on here. In the message the unveiling of God. Paragraph 84. The prophet says, like the attributes, see, it is in God. An attribute is your thought. God in the beginning, the eternal. He wasn't even a God. He was the eternal. He wasn't even God. God is an object of worship or something, see. So he wasn't even that. He was Elohim, the eternal. But in him were thoughts. He wanted to become material. <laughs> Brother, this Elohim, and this is this now, I'm getting excited, and I am not going to finish this quotation because I'm getting excited. Because Satan does not have a problem when we bring the locality of God just to be in heaven. But when we make that greedy being to be material, and bringing him into a material form, that upsets the Satan. It has upset Satan throughout the ages. Now, the prophet said, but in him was thoughts. He wanted to become material. What did he do? Then he spoke a word, and that word was materialized. This is the logos. That's the whole picture. From Genesis to Revelation, is nothing wrong. It's Elohim materializing so he can be touched, feel. Elohim as a spirit, Elohim as the self-existing one, Elohim as the one that filled up the universe, Elohim as the ultimate, Elohim as the absolute, Elohim as the eternal spirit, Elohim as the rainbow. He wanted to become material so that he can be touched. And Satan knew and that is why Satan one day as well injected himself into the human race. But before that, we have to understand, Brother Bram says Elohim wanted to become material. And we are going to look at the materialization of Elohim throughout the ages. The prophet comes, he says, and maybe before I get into this quotation, you have Elohim that entered an arena, which I'll call a drama, an arena of drama, where, where he split the roles and he acted in those roles to confuse the Satan. Elohim became the father. Elohim became the son. Elohim 
became the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is Elohim. The Father is Elohim. The Son is Elohim. Now, the reason people get confused is because they only see below this line, the eternal line. But beyond the eternal, when he was still Elohim, those that know him in that form, they are not confused when he drops below the eternal line and comes into time and becomes the Father and becomes the Son and becomes the Holy Ghost. They know that it is the same Elohim materializing himself so that he can be touched. In the message, who is this Melchizedek? Paragraph 42. The prophecy notice like the sculptor, he hides with a mask over. Goodness. If I come wearing a mask, not the mask that we are wearing because of the corona, a real mask that is worn by criminals where they really cover their face, you won't recognize me. You actually, you may know me, but you may not recognize me. You may have heard of me, but you may not recognize But when the mask is taken off, then you begin to recognize the person behind the mask. Now the prophecy, notice, like the sculpture, he hides a mask over it. That's what God has done to this age. It's been hid. All these things has been hid and it's supposed to be revealed in this age. Now the Bible says they will be revealed in the latter times. It's like a sculptor keeping his piece of work all covered over until the time he takes the mask off it and there it is. And that's what the Bible has been. It has been a work of God that's been covered and it's been hid since the foundation of the world and its sevenfold mystery. God promised in this day, at this age of this Laodicean church, he would take the mask of the whole thing and we could see it. What a glorious thing. And it's why in this age a man comes and speaks about the unveiling of God. What was he doing? He was unmasking God before the bride. Now, to the bride, that's why I said the bride will never be confused but God expressing himself in different offices because they know him in his original state. Now, the prophet in the message, who is this Melchizedek, he continues in paragraph 43. He says, God and Emophe must in the pillar of fire, God and Emophe in a man called Jesus, in a man called Jesus, and God in his church, God above us, God with us, God in us, the co-descending of God. It was when he was the father, he was God above us. When he was the son, he was God with us. Yes, John says, the way it became flesh and we beheld his glory. And we handled the way. Because that was the desire of Elohim to become material. But the word Emophe, that means he changed the form. And in the midst the unveiling of God, he brings a new terminology. He said he cannot himself. That means he changed the form, poured himself into that form. That means he became that. 
That Elohim became the pillar of fire. That Elohim became a man called Jesus. That Elohim is now in the church. God above us, God with us, God in us, the condescending of Elohim. Elohim coming into a sphere where he can be touched. Elohim sleeping in a boat with his disciples. Elohim having a hunger and looking for food. Elohim being disappointed. Elohim being mocked. Elohim being rejected. There is no experience that you will ever go through that Elohim has not gone through because in his materialized form, he experienced so much hardship that today when you go to him and you present your hardship, he cannot plead ignorance because he experienced that. Now the prophet comes in this message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Paragraph 474, he says, this is God's great mystery of love expressed. That God and man became one. The whole thing is God and man one. God and man was one there. God and man is one here. When Jesus was around, he said, my father and I are one. And exactly the same phrase that Jesus uttered, every son and every daughter of God must utter exactly the same phrase and say, oh, the father and I are one. Now, the brother will say, the whole thing is God and man. God and man was one there. God and man is one. Then he says, from Genesis to Revelation, there is nothing wrong. It's Elohim materializing himself. And Brother Bram comes and says, it has always been the nature of Elohim to hide himself behind the veil. And he says, Moses was a veil. Joshua was a veil. Isaiah was a veil. Jesus was a veil. Paul was a veil. Brother Branham was a veil. And today, you and I, we are the veils of God. We are the veils of God. Now he comes, he says, in the message, an exposition of the seven church ages, he says, if people can see the truth of the Godhead, but fight it, they can't ever see the rest of the truth because the revelation is Jesus Christ in his church and his works in the midst of the church or in the midst of the church for the seven ages. Did you get that? Now I'm sure you understand. A prophet says, if the people cannot see the truth of the Godhead and they find it, they will not understand that the rest, the rest of the truth, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ in his church and his works in the midst of the church for the seven church ages. John 14, verse 20. At that day, you shall know that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me, and I in you. What is happening? It simply tells you that if you miss the mystery of the good day, you are not going to understand what your role is. He became us so that we can become him. We were sinners. He became a sinner so that we, the sinners, can become holy because he was holy. We were human. He was the deity. The deity one became human so that the human can become the deity. Whatever he wants, 
He became us so that we can become him. We must never live below our God-given privileges. The most powerful weapon that a believer has in the end time is identity. Now, in the message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed, paragraph 233. The prophet said, look, Christ in you makes him the center of life of the revelation. Einstein said many a times that a human being would never comprehend the universe. He said the only way to make a human being to understand the universe is to take the universe and put it in the human being. Oh, goodness. Look at it. The prophet says, in order, he says, Christ in you makes him the center of life of the revelation. You cannot understand Elohim. You cannot understand how he condescended. You cannot understand how he became material unless Christ in you becomes the center of that revelation. Goodness. And the prophet comes, he says, if you go to the ocean and take a teaspoon of water from the ocean, and it says the minerals that are in the ocean, those minerals are now in that water that is in the teaspoon. Now, when God pours the deity in you, whatever all that the deity is, is now in you, despite it being a potion. Now, what I mean by saying that, now, when Christ is in you, Paul, when he picked it up, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. William Brennan picks it up, he says, Christ in you. And then it says, it makes him the center of life of revelation. Then you get the complete thing. Then he continues, says, Christ in you makes him the center of life of revelation. See, Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. Christ in the Bible makes the Bible the complete revelation of Christ. Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing, what God is trying to do. God is immaterial. But the immaterial God materialized himself so that the materialized people can become immaterial. <laughs> this is wonderful. Now, Jesus was the material form of God. And when you get the mystery of the Godhead, if, if the body is not the deity, but the deity was in the body. We can, that same statement applies to us today. I can personalize it even to myself. This body is not the deity, but the deity is in the body. The body Jesus was not the deity, but Christ was the deity in the body. Oh, wonderful. Your body is not the deity. You may be Stephen. Stephen, your body is not the deity. But the deity, Christ, is in you. The body will die, but the deity in you will not die. Because the deity in you is the same Elohim that created the universe. He has now condescended and has bottled himself in your body as much as he once bottled himself in the body of Jesus. He became tangible in the body of Jesus. They could shake his hand and know that in this gentleman, in this man, is God himself. The prophet says, he was a God man. He says, when he was tired in the boat and sleeping there, he was a man. But when they went to call him and say, Master, we are in trouble. And when he stood up and said, Peace be still. 
and he quietened the storm of the sea right there. He was not just a man. He was more than a man that was God. When he cried and went to the tomb of Lazarus, he was a man. But when he said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth, he was not a man. He was more than a man. That duality applies to every believer. As much as God materializes himself in Jesus, God is materializing himself in every true seed of God. Yes, there will be times when you cry like a man. But there will be a time when you are inspired to speak like God and it will be more than a man. There will be times when there will be dead areas in your life. But there will be times when you stand up and proclaim life on dead areas and life will be there. It will not be a man. It will be more than a man. William Brenham was a man when he was there tired in the woods. But when the voice said, what do you want? And he said, the squirrels and said, how do you want them to come? Then he spoke them into squirrels into existence. It was more than a man. It was now Genesis 1 verse 1 material. Let there be. Every son and every daughter of God has got the privilege to come to that spot. Now in closing, I want to say Elohim could be handled. Elohim could be touched. And in 2020, I, nothing has changed. It has always been his great ambition. And God's final destination is a man. The highest form of God's manifestation is the man. And one thing that drives the devil mad is when the deity becomes flesh. Folks, the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation, is God and man becoming one. Not the church, especially during this time. We don't go to church, but wherever we are, let us be reminded that the whole thing is about God and man becoming one. Maybe God created the conditions that we see so that we could be at home, that it can become an individual affair. And my parting shot is, Elohim has become tangible. Not two gods, not three gods, the same God, Elohim. He co-descended and materialized himself. And today, you, wherever you are, you are the veil of God. Brother Bram said the fivefold ministry, they are God's dress way. God today is wearing a suit. God today is wearing a dress. You, wherever you are, tell Satan, God has got an overall and I am God's overall. And whatever God did in that overall called Jesus, God will do it in this overall called yourself. What is the most, the thing that is a stumbling block is unbelief. You are the deity made flesh. You are the word made flesh. As it was, so shall it be. As it was with Jesus. As it was with William Branham. So it is with you. Wherever you are, don't be despondent. Don't speak death. The Bible says life and death is on the tongue. Let us proclaim life. All will be well. All will be good. 
blessings are gonna come. Let us not be discouraged. Let us pray in closing. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this broadcast. We thank you for this revelation. We thank you for the things that you have done for us in this message. I pray for every brother. I pray for every sister, wherever they are. May you bless them abundantly, dear God, until such time we meet again. I bless their families. May you provide for them, dear God. The economy is bad. But there is a promise through your prophet messenger that God will bankrupt the heavens before he allows his weight to fail. And dear God, I know you will provide for their needs. I know you will strengthen them, dear God. May there be miracles in their houses. May their oil never run dry. May their flowers never run dry. May they never be afflicted by this plague. May you immunize them by the weight, dear God. I pray for them in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you richly. Amen. God bless you until we meet again. God bless you. I hope this broadcast will be a blessing. God bless you and God bless your families. Take care. Let's keep on praying for each other. God bless you. Amen.